0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. Listen, before we get into the show, if you're enjoying Uncomfortable, then please share it. Share it on social media, share it with your friends, share it with your mom or grandpa. I don't care how you do it. Just share the show. The more people that are listening, the more people with interesting experiences will come forward and that translates into more great shows for you guys. If you have an experience and you want to come on the show, then email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us where you can and like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Some quick reminders. I'll be supporting the show at this year's Michigan Bigfoot Conference on July 30th in Chelsea, Michigan. And then I'll be hosting Bigfoot & Brews here at Sister Lakes Brewing Company in Dwajack, Michigan, on September 10th. Go to BigfootAndBrews.com to get your tickets, to help sponsor the event if you'd like, or to purchase a vendor spot. Remember, that's com. Now, let's see what I've got in store for you tonight.
0: Doing that, I was face-to-face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I
2: probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side.
1: When I did... There's, there's a bean on the side of the tree,
2: a large bean. It's looking at me, and I'm looking at it.
0: After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth be able to speak in people's languages, and at that
2: point, it's kind of converged into this one entity which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old
0: and at that point they'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me.
1: It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy, looking being Meeting that I was fortunate enough to have been asked to host Uh, last month back in May. I believe it was on the 14th up in West Branch, Michigan. A Bigfoot Discovery Days is a Bigfoot conference that's put on yearly, uh, sometimes twice a year, by uh, Michigan investigator Phil Shaw. I've had him on the show several episodes back, so if you're interested, go back and listen to that episode. Um, So he reached out to me, I was able to make the date, and I was fortunate enough to get to basically beg people in the audience to come up and tell their story of what they've experienced in the topic of Bigfoot. And this gentleman was the first to come up. So ladies and gentlemen, if you would please... Give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Don. Hello, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm glad you were able to make the time for me. No problem, Don. It was a pleasure meeting you up there.
2: It was we had, we had a good time. My wife and myself, and uh, one of my older sisters was there at the Bigfoot Days in in West Branch, and it was quite interesting. It was a
1: good day. It, it really was. It was a little steamy there in the. Uh, in the church yeah. uh auditorium or whatever that uh, that side room was um got a little got a little steamy but uh, all in all it was a good day had uh had some good speakers we had what uh, uh Ken Gerhard we had Daniel Perez um Gabe Heiss from the uh the other side of the state over there on the east side yep and uh you know I've been I've been accused of not being a researcher. I've been accused of not getting my feet out in the woods and, and, you know, seeking these things out. And I've never professed myself to be that person. I think everyone has a role to play as far as getting this kind of information out to the masses. And whether that puts you as a boots-on-the-ground investigator or that puts you as somebody sitting behind a microphone talking to people who have had experiences. I think those are all just equally as valid as far as getting information to the public that wants to know about it. So I was, I was thrilled to be able to be up there and to head that, um, head that town hall meeting. And it, it took a little bit of, it took, it took a little bit of coaxing and, and I, I, you know, I, tried to prepare myself on the way up there it's like you know what what can i say that's going to entice people to want to want to talk about their experience and really i came up with nothing because it's so left up to the individual who had the experience and the unfortunate thing is like you and i were talking before we started recording there's such a stigma with being associated with any kind of topic like this that people just they want to shut down They don't want to deal with the eye rolls. They don't want to deal with the people calling you crazy. They don't want to be, uh, they don't want to have to deal with being uh, that guy. Oh, you're the Bigfoot guy.
2: Exactly, yep.
1: But you were brave, and you came up, and you told your story. And not to make light of anyone's experience, but what struck me about your experience was there was some level of humor to it um, just based on what you thought it was. (laughs) And, yes. and I thought that was uh, <clears throat> I thought that was a, a unique a, a unique story in in that you don't hear that perspective often. So I was thrilled when you said you'd sit down and, and do this with me. So,
2: well, I appreciate the opportunity. Why
1: don't you uh, Why don't you get in and in on it and uh, let our listeners know what what transpired that day?
2: All right, I, I'll I'll do my best here. Well, first of all, I would like to say that. I, I was going to be one of those guys that wasn't going to say anything in publicly about what I saw and I did so on through the prompting of my wife and I'm really glad that I did it because I I mean I I feel good about it and then after I had told my story I found come to find out there were a couple of other sightings within just a few miles within the months or within the, the weeks of pro, uh, after I had seen, you know, had my sight. Oh, really? So, you know, yeah, and that's what that was something that I learned from from Phil there at the on the Bigfoot days that, that uh, there's a road you'll hear me mention. It, it's called Towerline Road, and it is a north south road, and it runs a long long ways. It runs from M fifty five, and it runs north all the way and cuts into M sixty five again, and uh, along that corridor, that road. Uh, there I get I think there were three other encounters throughout my I saw it in February. I think there were two in in March and one in April, all within about probably five or six miles of where I happened to see what I saw.
1: And let me let me so, let me interject here real quick, uh, for the listeners, because I'm I'm heard literally all over the world. Um, I don't know that I mentioned at the beginning of this, this was in the state of Michigan. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yep. Can you can you give a, a town? You know, if if you don't want to give your exact uh, town, at least give one no, place I, where we can.
2: I, I don't, I don't mind at all. It's a little a little town of Hale, Michigan, um, and it is probably about eighteen miles west of Lake Huron, where Tawas City and East Tawas are on the shore of Lake Huron. We're pretty much due west of Tawas City and East Tawas, about eighteen miles. Um, my house, my, where I live is very close to the town of Hale and, uh, they actually call Hale the gateway to the Huron National Forest huh. because as soon as you get through Hale, um, you get up a few miles North of Hale and you, you cross into the boundary of the, the Huron National Forest and it's, it's North and a little bit East of my place. And if you look on the map, it's shaded green and it is a big, beautiful, um, it's a big, beautiful pine and oak forest. It's The Asabo River winds through a lot mm-hmm. of it, um, and it, it makes it all the way over to the shore of Lake Huron. Uh, it's just a beautiful place. But actually where I had my encounter is a little bit south of there on, on the edges of what we would call farm country, where the farm country, where the, the land was cleared years ago. They have hay fields, corn fields, different you know different types of crops, mm-hmm. and then as you go north, the farm fields kind of disappear, and you get into the forest. It's it's, and uh, so my my encounter occurred, like I would call it, right on the edge, right on the north edge of the the what I would call farm country. So, but uh, what happened was I had to get up early. I my daughter traveled from her house to bring her cat up here because her cat had to have, uh, the, her cat had to be neutered (laughs) and she didn't want it. She didn't want to be the one that had to take the cat to the vet to do that. And, uh, we're, we're a household of animal lovers. We have all kinds of pets. Anyway, I got elected to take the cat to the vet. You take him to the vet early in the morning. And the procedure's done, the cat comes out of his anesthetic, then you pick the cat up in the evening and bring him home, and the cat doesn't have to spend the night at the vet. And you, I would never want to spend the night in the hospital if I didn't have to, and, but I'm sure the cat wanted to come yeah, home. But anyway, I, imagine, yeah. I left you know, I left real early, dropped the cat off, and it was a very cold morning. Uh, it was probably about, when, when I left, it was probably close to 10 below zero. Oh, my. We had, gotten, we had gotten some fresh snow the day before, about three, three inches of snow, and, uh, or the night before, and I, I'm, I dropped the cat off, and I was on my way home, and I'm just driving along, and uh, it was a bright, sunny day. There was no wind. It was a beautiful, cold winter morning, and, and, and I happened. What, what month was this? This was February. February? I believe we were looking. I think we think the date was February 22nd. Okay. And we're driving, I'm driving along and I happened, I, I was going down the road and some property on, as I'm, I'm heading west right now, the property on my right, which would be to the north, is property that I had had permission to hunt for probably close to 20 years. Property had changed hands about 10 years ago, and I hadn't been in there for years. And I was just paying attention. I was looking to see if it looked like there were a lot of deer sign in the fresh snow, a lot of deer tracks, things like that crossing the road. Sure. Plus I was paying attention for deer. I've, I've, I don't want to hit a deer. <laughs> and I happened to see the first thing I noticed was a shadow being cast off on my left-hand side beyond the south side of the road now. Okay. And it was a huge human silhouette. That's what caught my eye first. And I brought my, I gave my attention. I looked up and I'm I'm traveling about 40 miles an hour. And I happened to see this huge silhouette of what I originally thought was, and I think this is the the the, the funny part of what you were talking about, yeah. what I thought was the most awesome Bigfoot cutout you would anybody had ever made? Yeah, like a silhouette, like and people have in their yard. Like a silhouette, yeah, a bigfoot silhouette. They're very common around here. People put them up on the edge of the woods, sure. and uh, uh, you can, you know, I mean, they're really cool. I've I've wanted one for years. I'm not much of a woodworker, and the expense of it, I just never went, but I never went through with it and built one. But I was determined, I was going to build one like this bigfoot cutout because this thing was awesome. It looked to me like I was looking at the back of a Bigfoot cutout, and the shoulder. I mean, the thing was absolutely massive, and I made it about. I I seen it. I it, it looked to me like there was hair, and uh, detailed. I mean, it was it was incredible, and I made it about a quarter of a mile, and I decided I wanted to turn around to get a look at this, and I was going to take some pictures of it and show my wife. And uh, the cost of lumber because of COVID, <laughs> everything, the lumber's through the through the roof. Right. But I was determined I was gonna spend the money and I was gonna build one just like this. And I turned around the, the turnaround is Tower Line Road, and it's it's uh it was about not quite a half a mile from where I actually saw the thing. Turned around and I drove back, and I'll be doggone if that thing wasn't there anymore. Oh. And I could see, I could see. Uh, like drag marks in the snow, not necessarily from the road. I couldn't necessarily see footprints, but I could see marks in the snow. The direction that it had gone. Oh yeah. And and so I drove down the road slowly, looking in the swamp, and I did see, I did catch movement two other times. Oh really? Yes, but I, nothing defined. It's very thick, heavy. Um, it's a, it's a swamp made up of cedar and hemlock and some different types of, of, I think some kind of spruce it's lowland. Um, in the, in the, as a matter of fact, a lot of times, if you walk around in there, you're going to get wet feet. So when you, when uh,
1: you say you saw movement on two other occasions, what, what kind of movement were you seeing? Were you seeing,
2: it was just, it was just the, it was just the animal moving from, it was walking towards the east at that point i'm looking south now going from my right to left like stepping in between trees and i seen it and i seen it again and then i didn't see it anymore so you and, literally uh, I see i missed that when
1: you were at the town hall meeting
2: i may not have even i don't remember exactly what i said when we stood up there but um so you literally Shaw, you
1: literally saw this the 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 subject that individual moving along the the side of the uh, the tree line. Yes,
2: I did it. There was there was a cut a cut in the in the property, um, like a little two lane a two track where the it's hunting property is what it is, and the people had made a driveway and cleared it so that they could drive off off the road down into their property, yeah. and it had followed that pro, that that cut in that they had made the little road they made a little ways, and then it turned into the woods. But, yes, I did catch two more glimpses of it before I couldn't see it anymore. And then, again, the last thing in the world I expected this to be was an actual creature. I thought I was turning around to see a Bigfoot cutout, a a silhouette that somebody had made of Bigfoot. That's what I thought I was turning around to see. And uh, partly um, because it was so big. Yeah. Uh, you 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 hear a lot of people discuss Bigfoot or they saw something seven or eight feet. I went back there with Phil Shaw, the guy that uh, the, you know, one of the ones that was uh, responsible for the Bigfoot days mm-hmm. in West Branch. We actually went back there with another fella to so I could show them where this actually happened. And the one fella walked down just a little ways onto the private property where the Bigfoot stood. And I was, and because uh, I knew it was big. I told my wife it was, it's got to be like as big as they could possibly be. And uh, uh, this thing was all of nine, all of nine foot. I would have to say closer to 10 foot tall. Really? Actually, when i uh, cause the guy that was with us was, he wasn't six foot tall. He's probably five ten. but he walked down there and he was, he was, a uh, he was dwarfed by the size of this thing. Wow just absolutely dwarfed. And the, the color of it was a very, very rich, dark, dark brown. Not black, but not brown. It was a very dark color. Uh, not black like a black bear, but but a little bit more brown, I would say.
1: Well, that's great that the, uh, the individual you, you were with uh, made the effort to go down there so you could have some kind of a scale comparison as far as size went.
2: Yes, yes, it was just the 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 musculature the the i i sometimes you hear people discuss you know a sighting of bigfoot and they talk about being terrified mm-hmm. i think you would be terrified just by the size of this thing even if it wasn't even if you had a close encounter with one of these things and it wasn't at all aggressive you would be terrified kind of like you would be if you were if you jumped a fence into a field and here you are face-to-face with a black Angus bull. You know what yeah. I mean? Just by the size of the thing. Uh, well, you know, when you, when you talk just, about
1: size, you know, my son is uh, my son's 6'5", for all intents and purposes. Um, 290, probably close to 300 pounds. He's a formidable dude. He is a, yes. a big guy. Now, I'm 5'9", and I can still take him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, but if if you were you know if you didn't know the kid, um, that's a that's a considerable size difference than your average five eleven five five ten even six foot. That extra five inches is is significant.
2: Oh, absolutely. And
1: there's a there's a there's kind of a a, a rule or a. I don't know that you'd call it a law, but it's called the square cube law, I believe is what it is, square cube rule or square cube law, and that states that as long as something stays within proportion to itself, whether it's six foot or ten foot or twelve foot, proportionately, mathematically things have to multiply at a specific rate. So if you take a six six foot human being who say weighs 200 pounds or let's go 250. The world record deadlift for a human being is a little over 1100 pounds. That's a lot of freaking weight.
2: Yes it is. Now
1: When you take into consideration the square-cube law, it dictates that as something doubles in size, so if you're going from a 6-foot human being to a 12-foot human being, and all things remain proportionate, then the mass of that 12-foot being is multiplied by 8. So if that 6-foot person is 250 pounds, and the 12-foot version of that same person is proportionate, its weight multiplies by 8. So 250 pounds times 8. Wow. So that's significant. But they also state that it most likely, or in very close proximity, can be a good way to gauge the strength of that creature so if you have a six foot person who can deadlift 1100 pounds now granted, that's a world record but a human being deadlifted 1100 and some pounds you multiply that by eight yeah so a 12 foot that is roughly 2000 pounds of weight yeah could potentially be able to lift 8,800 pounds by itself. Now, if you take two or three of those, and you talk about what we're going to get to in a little while, as far as moving a a large tree that had fallen, that could be in the neighborhood of, say, 16,000 pounds. Now, that doesn't seem so out of the realm of possibility, when you take into consideration that, that mathematical law. So,
2: yeah, I, I, I don't know where I've heard this, but I've heard what you're describing somewhere. You know, I'm 56 years old and I'm somewhere along the way. I've heard them talk about figuring out how some, how big and how heavy something Mm -hmm. is being proportionate. Like you, you know, I, I didn't have the words for it, but, but yeah, this thing, this thing was as far as proportions go, I'm, I'm trying not to exaggerate, but I'm going to say it was all of six foot at the shoulders, six foot wide and oh, the wow. arms six foot yeah, wide at the shoulder. That, yes. That's what I'm, that's Jesus. what I'm saying. And the, and I got a very good, uh, the, what I looked at was the rear of it because it was standing there literally, and, and I thought about this afterwards, and I told Phil this too, and he agreed with me, it was a cold morning, and this thing was standing there in a ray of sunshine coming through the trees, like with the sun hitting it in the face, and I was looking at its back, kind of more, its left shoulder was closer to me, it wasn't right uh, straight on to the back, it was angled just a little bit, but I was looking at the thing's back for the most part. And one of the things, one of the details that I did catch as I drove by was the arm length came down to just about the knee. Maybe not quite the knee, but I could see a hand. I could see the the the, the hand and the fingers wrapped around and the just the sheer size of it. It was just, I mean, it's just, it was just incredible. Um, the morning that it happened... Once I realized what I saw, I could not get home fast enough to tell my wife. I mean, I literally, I literally sped home to tell my wife and we, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. We kind of had a little bit of a celebration in the living room <laughs> and I just, I kept telling her, I want to tell you the story. I want to get the details while they're fresh yeah. in my mind. And, uh, but yeah, I, I cannot one of the speakers one of the speakers there at uh, I I'm, I can't remember what his name was we bought a couple of his videos we tried to to patronize the the you know the vendors sure. that were there because they go through a lot of effort mm-hmm. you know what I mean to get there but anyway he spoke and he said when they get to be about eight or nine foot that seems to be about the 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 maximum you know every now and then you'll hear of ones that are get ones that get bigger well um I'm I'm I guess <laughs> I got to see one of the biggest ones you're going to see because well this thing was just absolutely massive well I,
1: I have to take uh, a little bit of issue with that gentleman and what he said um, strictly on strictly on the the fact that I've spoke with um, Robert Kreider who is a uh, Getting to be a pretty well known uh, researcher out of New Mexico. Kreider um, uh, Exploration, I believe, is the name of his group. And uh, so, down in New Mexico, he's talked about some that are leaving, uh, I believe, in the neighborhood of 23 inch tracks. Now, he's had conversations with Dr. Meldrum, and anything over about 18 inches. Meldrum has told him told Kreider that you know they they just don't get that big so anything over 18 inches is is suspect in 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 his mind and and it seems to be the the eight foot range seems to be the sweet spot when you're talking about anybody who is in academia or has any kind of scientific background um that is willing to go out on a limb and talk about this subject. They seem to want to stay around that eight foot area, but I've talked to several people where they're, they're bigger than that and they can get a lot, they can get a lot bigger than that. I mean, at least some of them (laughs) somewhere in some in the neighborhoods of 12 foot, you know? So yes, I think, I think obviously you saw a very large one, um, but I don't think, I don't think that's at the top end. I, I think there are, you know, now whether it's a, a geographical thing or whether it's a, a specific, uh, type that, that only gets that big, uh, who knows. But, right, uh, right. I think there's a, there's enough, enough people having witnessed them, um, you know, and, you know, the thing is, you know, none of us are experts at judging size. So, you know, you're, you're X number of feet away from this thing. You're moving, you know, you have a glimpse of it and, you know, all you have is what recollection you have in your mind to make your, right. your guesses off of, you know, so right. it's an educated guess. You're, you're doing the best that you can. You're not fabricating anything, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's accurate. So, you know, there could be, there could be a, a significant difference in what it actually was compared to what you thought it was. Um, but when you take, when you take a guy who, who physically goes down and stands where you saw it at and you know how how tall he is, then you can tell that it was considerably taller than that. Then you have, you have a better thing to judge. So
2: that, that was a, that was a huge help. It really was. I didn't, I didn't think that would be all that significant, but when he walked down there and I could see him standing there. And then I realized, that's when I told Phil, I said, Phil, I've been saying that this thing was nine foot. I said, it was bigger than nine foot. (laughs) It was, it was much bigger than nine foot, you know, because just with him standing down there to give me the reference, um, it it is private property. And uh, the morning that it happened, I drove back, immediately drove home and told my wife. And I do not know why, other than Maybe there was a little bit of fear in my mind. We we should have and we could have driven back and then checked out the tracks in the snow, because there was three inches of fresh snow that fell the day, like the day the day and night before. It probably quit snowing towards one two o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and we would have had excellent an excellent chance to at least get pictures of the tracks, and I didn't, and I regret that. I regret that so much. We 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 talked about it. We were going to do it, then we didn't. And we literally just did not go back to look at the tracks. And I I I wish that we would have. I was probably a little bit afraid in my mind, I guess, because I, I just because of the size of this thing. I I I I grew up knowing what Bigfoot was. I was always interested in Bigfoot. I always wished and hoped that there actually was Bigfoot. I truly believed in my mind that at least there used to be, Mm -hmm. and there were, you know, maybe a very small population of them, um, you know, that remained. And I I never really thought about being afraid of them until I saw how big this thing (laughs) actually was. I'm a, I'm a lifelong hunter. I've I've been hunting. I, I wasn't born in the woods, but I got there as soon as I could. And, uh, you know, that's a saying. That's a, something I always tell people. I was not born in the woods, but I got there as yeah. soon as I could. And I have never been afraid to walk in the woods. I'm not afraid to walk all by myself in the dark as far as you want to go and then find my way out in the dark as far as you want to go. And I told Phil the other night when we were at the campfire, I says, statistically, strictly statistically, the chances of me running into another one of these creatures is very slim. I said, so I really don't have a whole lot to worry about as far as running into one. And that's when Phil stopped me and he says, you know what? (laughs) He said, just because you didn't see him or you didn't see one does not mean they did not see you. And and because I'll add and then, to that
1: by saying that of of all the of all the witnesses and all the people that have come co- forward with their stories, and and I think that's what what's important about people coming forward with their stories is there are several, actually, there's many, let's even say a lot, that have had multiple incursions. Yes. Now. You know, some people say that, you know, they're, you know, it's because you're open minded, but it's because you're open to it. Some people say it's because there's some kind of a, uh, a psychic connection that's made. Uh, Some people say that there's a, uh, uh, that they in some way, shape or form mark you and, and you are now, um, now you're prone to, to having all other experiences, you know, whatever, whatever they are you know we talk about a lot of weird stuff on this show so i i don't judge and i don't uh, i don't really throw anything out with the bath i don't throw the baby out with the bath water but you know now that you've seen one it would not surprise me in the least that i hear from you again at some point and you're like shit it happened again yeah uh, can you can Yeah. You go, I, uh... going back to that day um Can you give me an idea, a rough estimate about how many yards away from you and the vehicle on the road from.
2: We, we measured it from, from where the guy was standing. It was 33 yards. Oh, so
1: that's not far at all.
2: No. And I, and then in in my mind, again, it was a cold winter morning, dead calm, not a breath of wind. So this thing heard my truck coming down the road a half a mile or three quarters of a mile away or more, you know what I mean? And it just basically held perfectly still as I went by thinking that maybe I would not see it.
1: So it was 33 yards to where it was standing or 33 yards to where you saw it along the tree line.
2: It was from, from where I, from the center line of the road to where it was standing. We measured it. It was 33 yards. Okay. Yeah. hundred feet. That's not far at all. That's not far at all. No, no, nope. that's why, that's why I had such a good reference to actually how big it was and why I got such good detail of what would be its left hand. Yeah. And it was a human-looking hand, just very, very dark skin, and it was enormous, absolutely enormous. You know, and it, make, and, it makes sense
1: based on, you know, I, I pay attention when people talk to me. So, you, you know, you're, tell, you're telling me this happened early in the morning. It was, uh, you know, sun was up, but probably hadn't been up for long so it, no sun, it had not been up for sun, long sun's coming up in the east you're saying that this was on the west side of the um, west side of the road correct so it, it
2: was on the it was actually on the south side of the road and I was traveling west when I seen okay. it
1: so that would make sense that you know basically what you saw was a highlighted silhouette versus something that had massive amounts of direct light on it. Right, it was it the, the
2: light was concentrated coming through what they where they had cut the cut the road open and the sun was just streaking right through that open area and the thing was just standing there putting its face to the sun that's all that's that's I mean I've done it myself many times you know what yeah. I mean you just stop and t- just soak up the sun yeah. for a minute and that's exactly what the thing was doing wow. that's exactly what it was doing. And it just hoped that I, and it's probably had cars drive by it a million times, and nobody saw it. And I just happened to catch it. You know what yeah. I mean? So, it was, I mean, I it, I, it was actually, I. I I'm, I'm, if I'm going to see a Bigfoot, especially one that big, I, I would like it to be in a situation very similar to what I did, yeah. <laughs> where I could drive, you know, where I could drive. Well, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of bears. I've had many close encounters with bears. I've been within 18 inches of a wild bear before and i'm i don't plan on getting that close to a wild bear again but um i'm not you know i don't i'm not afraid per se of animals out and about you know what i mean i would be terrified to know something like that was very close to me just because of how big it is i mean if you
1: think about it most people uh you know older homes probably have uh Seven and a half foot ceilings. Most newer homes are are eight foot ceilings, and you know if you had something that walked into your living room and had to bend down a considerable yes. amount not to hit its head on your eight foot ceiling, it, yes, th- that's just it's so hard to wrap your head around how large that is. You yes. Know,
2: it, yes, even if it, it, it even it, if
1: it's only eight footer. That's two foot taller than a, a six foot person.
2: Yes. Yes. But that's that's <laughs> yes. that's still that. And that's huge. one of the things we I have I have a peaked ceiling in my living room, and I know for a fact because we always get a big Christmas tree, it's nine feet two inches to the highest point in my ceiling for me to get a Christmas tree in there. And this thing would not be able to stand upright in my living room. Yeah. That's amazing. That's how that's how easily how big this thing well, was. Well you look at Shakira. And as, as tall, as tall as it was the width of its shoulders and the way it was built is even more impressive.
1: Well, you look you look was, at Shaquille O'Neal. He's what 72 72 or 73. And and he's not a small dude. He's not a he's not a string bean, he's not a gangly skinny uh rail right. of a person. He's he's a pretty massive dude. I mean, to be next to him it's staggering how big of an individual that is. Yes. Yes, and and you're
2: yep. I used to, I used to shoot on an archery league with a fella, and uh, he was he was not quite seven foot tall, and he used to always have a two liter bottle of Diet Pepsi, and he was so big he made a two liter <laughs> bottle look normal yeah. in his hand. That's something that always struck me. I still every time every now and then I run into him, and you know I <laughs> he doesn't think anything of it, but he was a very very big guy. And you know, but he he was tall and thin, I guess. But uh, this thing was just—I—I I, I keep alluding back to how big it was, yeah. and and I, it just—it just boggles my mind. And I was talking with Phil. I said, "Okay, this creature being this big, weighing whatever it weighs, and I—I would—I would a minimum. This thing had to weigh a minimum. I'm going to guess, knowing what I know, because I, I know a lot of people exaggerate." Un- unknowingly how much like a, sure. a a 200 pound deer is a very very big deer right. most deer are not 200 pounds even live on the hoof they are not 200 pounds um most deer field dress maybe 125 pounds a nice big buck is 125 pounds farm country deer are bigger but anyhow um this creature i would i would i would say it had to be at least a ton it had to weigh oh at mind. least two thousand pounds. At least, really? just yeah, a a, bu- a bison, a full grown bull bison. I've been, I've petted a full grown bull bison, six and a half feet, seven foot tall at the shoulder, and they were that was twenty two hundred pounds. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this was at least 2,200 pounds. Oh. And the amount of food that it would take to feed that, they they probably don't have a whole lot of time. They have to forage so much to eat and fill. Phil said that they've they've got all that worked out they figure they know exactly what it takes for them to eat yeah. and you know and this was a very very cold morning and yeah. Phil said you know he said they figure they may have a pad on their foot that's three quarters of an inch or an inch thick and that's why they're able to withstand the, the cold, cold temperatures day. you know what I mean I just it just boggles my mind that that but uh it still it still boggles my mind i oh, still it, i'm still not over it i really still is, not over
1: obviously it. it's left quite an impression on you
2: yes yes I, I i was very i feel very i guess blessed is the word <laughs> and i and i'm i know every this small town i know everybody i it, it, everybody that's around here i i'm not ashamed to say what i saw it it is what it is I hope everybody, I hope everybody gets to see one someday. (laughs) Well,
1: your, your type of sighting is my type of sighting. My, my perfect sighting would be me in a vehicle on a road, catching one, going up a, a power line cut and you know, about, about a hundred yards away, not noticing me walking in the opposite direction, uh, no no big frills, no big scares, nothing just like holy shit there's one. Okay, I'm good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I would I would not want to uh meet one uh, while walking out to my deer stand.
2: That, yeah. that would be a yep. that would be a, a
1: a no-go for me.
2: Yep. Yep. And if I could, if I could like we were talking before we we got on, we got live with your microphones, there are A lot lot of people, as a matter of fact, the day after the conference in West Branch, I was in the local grocery store here. Fella recognized me as one of the ones that stood up and told my story. He came over and he shook my hand. Oh, really? And he, yes, he told me his story and that he actually had some property that was in the process of being sold, a small cabin north, about 25 miles north of my place here in Hale, and, uh he actually had a, a couple of run-ins he had one sighting and a couple of other instances but he was so adamant that he did not want anybody to know his story and i i like we were talking i just think that that is extremely sad and because there's a lot of I, he had a very very good story he had he had a close close encounter next to a campfire the one that he saw was, he said it wasn't, it, it was probably just shy of eight foot.
1: Do you remember the, what he said? Do you remember the story well? enough I, I remember,
2: me? I can, I can, I will do my absolute best. Okay. And it started out, the first thing he did was he told me, he said, you know, I, I, I'm not a woodsy, I'm not an outdoors kind of guy, except by he He, he has a place, he lives and works in Southeast Michigan. He probably wouldn't even want me to say where he lives and work cuz he did slip and he told me the city he lives in down there but i'll leave that out just in case and uh he said he married he remarried late in life his wife he was he's an older fella he's not a younger man i'm i'm 56 i'm gonna guess him at maybe 10 years older than me 12 10 12 years older anyway unfortunately he got he got remarried and his wife's parents had this small cabin up in glenny the town of Glenny North. He called it North and East of Glenny. Um, he had uh, never really been an outdoorsy kind of guy. He started going up with his wife to be at her parents' cabin with her parents, like over the 4th of July and things like that. And he kind of liked it. Um, what he really liked was being on a lake. He wanted to be on a lake. That was one thing he did tell me. Anyhow, his wife had passed away, sadly. His his in-laws had passed away a few years before, and then his wife passed away. And, of course, now the cabin belongs to him. But his wife had two children. They were both grown. They're both grown. And rightfully, he wanted to put the cabin in their name so that they could, because property values are high right now, I guess because of COVID, I'm not 100% sure. Building materials, whatever. Anyway, the cabin is worth more now than it, than it had been previously. So they were taking opportunity to put it up for sale. And I, I got to give the give it to the guy. He didn't have to, but he's basically given the value of the cabin to his step his stepkids, and they were going to sell it. But anyway, the story was he said one time they drove up, and his as his in laws got older it would be him and his wife that would go up and get the cabin opened up and get groceries and clean everything up and clean up the sticks and mow the lawn and things like that, because his father-in-law was the kind of guy that did everything himself. And he went up there one day, and here is a great big tree that had fallen from the woods in the yard. And he knew that would bother his father-in-law, and he knew that his father-in-law was not physically capable of doing that. So what he did was he went into town and he hired a couple of local people to come out with chainsaws and help him remove this big fallen tree that was in the yard, and, uh, which uh, an admirable thing to mm. do. He didn't want his father-in-law to stress over it. So they did. They came out with chainsaws, and they cut long sections of the log, and they rolled them off back into the ferns, and they cleaned the brush up and everything, and everything was honky-dory. His father-in-law came up the next day and they, you know, they had a day and then the next morning all that brush and those logs and everything that had been removed were all placed back into the yard. Really? And they had absolutely, yeah, they had absolutely no explanation as to why or how that happened, but that it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't all of it. He said they, they managed to roll it back out of the yard and he thought that was kind of strange. Well, He is, this fellow was a third shift worker. He said he'd been a third shift worker for years. And when he would first come up north, it would take him a couple days to get acclimated. And so everybody would go to bed and he'd be up wide awake at 2 o'clock in the morning because he's a third shift worker. He's used to starting his work day at 11 o'clock at night. Well, he said he was sitting around his camp. He had a campfire. And again, he said, I'm not a woodsy kind of a guy, so I don't do this very often. But he sat he was sitting around the campfire and he could hear things off in the woods. The national forest borders their property. So they're they they mow their yard and then the woods start and that's national forest. Big, you know, big areas of, of forest. Sure. And uh, I'm now I'm I'm relaying this the best I can. My wife's clock is going off in the <laughs> background back here. Right. But uh, anyhow, um, he said he was in in his chair his comfortable chair at the campfire and he was kind of starting to nod off he would and and he said he just kind of sat up and kind of stoked the fire back up and sat back down in his chair and he said he just had a feeling like he was being watched and he just happened to kind of glance over his right shoulder and about 6 or 7 feet inside the from the wood line in the grass stood this being um he said seven and seven eight foot tall, um no kidding. covered in hair. he said he could see not an eye reflection, but he could see a an eye the 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 wetness of the thing's eyes. that's how close it was I said, how far was it? And he said twenty five feet he said he could see
1: the like the glassiness of its eye,
2: the glass that's the word wow. I was looking for the glassiness of the eyes. And he said that the last thing in the world he expected to see was a, was this thing. He said it was not a bear. It was standing upright, just like a man. And it just looked at him. It made no noise. It just looked at him. And all at once, he said, it just kind of pivoted and made like an effortless leap. And it was right back in the woods and it was gone. Yeah, and uh I said that is you know, I told I was trying to explain to him how important because there's a lot of how important his story is because there are a lot of sightings up around Glennie. Yeah. And yeah, right. the neighbors may have may have a story, just you know, just like his. The neighbors may have a sighting. A cabin a mile down the road might have a sighting. Right. But he he did tell me that through the years that he was going up, it was about five or six years before his in-laws passed away. That at night they would hear the typical whoops and hollers that you you hear so much about, and he, he said also it was not uncommon at all to hear, like sounded like it would sound like somebody was beating on a tree with a baseball bat, out in the national forest at eleven thirty at night in July. The strange he said it'd be the strangest thing just hear wood knocking out, out in the woods, and no explanation. Now, that he, he hadn't had any other sightings, but he said it wasn't, there, you know, the trails around where the cabin are is very sandy, very soft sand, a lot of them. He said you would see big impressions in the sand. There was no detail to them because the sand would kind of cave in, but he said the big tracks were there. And when he told everybody that what he had seen on the edge of the campfire that night, he said they all kind of made fun of him, and That's, that really made him gun shy of about you I know did. wanting to tell his story. Yeah. You know, he said, but I have no doubt what I saw. I wasn't asleep. I hadn't been drinking. Um, it was none of that. He said I turned, and there it was in the campfire light, and it was plain as day. He knew exactly what it was when he saw it. He never. He said he never believed in Bigfoot. Had no you know, would never testify that he believed that there was a Bigfoot. Yeah. He said, but when he saw what he saw, it happened, and now he knows. Wow. And there's no, you know, no no question about what he saw, but he did say he wants to sell that cabin and buy a place <laughs> on a lake. <laughs>
1: that would be, uh, that would be, I'd be filling my pants. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And he was, he was very close. He, he was, I was very, very close to this thing. And you know he didn't hear it approach he just happened to turn and there it was
1: you know which is which is really interesting because you, you hear you know like you know no disrespect to to Wes Germer or any of his show but you know so many people that he has on you hear about these uh these more aggressive encounters right you know and and some of the other um the bigfoot uh podcasts that are out there you hear you hear about these aggressive encounters so often and then yes you know you hear about these other ones that are very benign and very you know it's just it's a sighting and they're very close and they don't do anything they don't try to uh intimidate they don't try to do anything other than just basically from the sounds of it show themselves and it, it makes you wonder what what's that what is the difference there what why yes. why are why is you know and i know there's if they're like us and you know there's people of all different temperaments and, you know, there's good people, there's bad people. So, you know, it's just, it's so strange why, why you have some that, you know, just scare the living daylights out of people and they never want to go hunting again, or they never want to go back into the woods again. And, you know, yes. then you have something like this where it just, it just shows itself and, and that's it and it goes. Yep. You know, it's it's, yep. it's strange. The one thing about that story that uh sounded really familiar and that was something I wanted you to um maybe just close out the show with um as far as all the the logs and everything that were on that property that they were clearing out after the um, to open up the cabin. Now you were you before we started recording you were telling me something that you weren't necessarily sure that it was anything to do but the more you started thinking about it you were like well this was kind of weird so if you wouldn't mind why don't you why don't you get into that oh
2: yeah we've when we were when we were sitting around the campfire with phil shaw up at one of the campgrounds up on the asalva river there the other night my wife brought this up and i never even put two and two together that this might be any type of an encounter um i took my daughter out to go on our michigan youth deer hunt which usually occurs sometime around mid-september it's usually the second weekend in September, I think, and uh, at the time she would have been about 15 years old, and I had, <clears throat> I, I, I've hunted the area for literally decades, so I know the place very well, I know where the deer travel, if there's deer there, I know where they're going to be, um, I knew we had acorns that year, which was a very good thing for us. Um so uh, sometime in July, I went to drive up in there, and I couldn't because there were a lot of logs in the, down in the trail, a whole bunch of them. I, I, I made it, parked the truck, and I walked a little way, and I said, well, I'm gonna when we come to hunt, I, what I planned on doing was I planned on going out with a chainsaw and opening the trail up to drive back in there. And, of course, I'm, I just never did. One thing go, leads to another, and pretty soon it's the day of the youth hunt, afternoon of the opening of the youth hunt. So I decided we would just take a chainsaw with us and we would drive out there and I would cut logs as I had to, to move them out of the way if somebody hadn't already done it, because there's a, a popular camping spot at the end of this two track, like during November, during uh, our deer season, our regular deer season in October and November, it's not uncommon for somebody to have a camp back there. And I figured somebody else would open it up throughout the summer at some point. Well, that didn't happen. Um, we got there, and the logs were in the trail. So I got the chainsaw out, and my my daughter would just advance the truck forward. I would cut the logs, you know, you know I'd cut one, or, one side or the other and then roll the log off, cut one side or the other. And we finally got back to where we were going to park, and uh, it, it was still early. It was about 2 o'clock in the afternoon when we got done with all that. And we went out and did, We we sat until just before dark. My daughter killed a nice deer. And we had to drag the thing out, and by the time we got back to the vehicle, um, it was probably close to nine o'clock. It was well after dark by the time we got back to the vehicle, and we got the truck turned around and we started heading out. And it still bothers my daughter to this day. If she, I wish she was was here. She would she would agree with me. It was a very freaky thing, and I totally blocked it out of my mind. Why, I why I did that, I don't know. But anyhow. We're we're coming down the two-track, and the grass is tall, and the ferns are tall, and here's a log right in the middle of the trail, one of the logs that I moved. And then in, in succession, there were multiple places where many of the logs that I had cut and moved, and some of them were quite large, were placed back in the trail. No kidding. And at the time, I'm not thinking anything. I thought maybe somebody was in there. Maybe they were in their youth hunting. I don't know. Didn't know what it was. I didn't like the situation, but I had to move logs. It took me about another 40 minutes longer than it would have because now it's dark and I can't see so well. I didn't have to use a chainsaw anymore, but I did have to roll a lot of logs out of the way, yeah. and it was warm, and we just got done dragging the deer out, and I was dying of heat stroke practically <laughs> and, and thirsty, Um and uh, it was just a very very weird situation. I never never considered it. I thought it was a person. <laughs> they put a lot of effort I thought into you know blocking the trail partially back off yeah. to get us out of there. It I'll, I will tell you this. It spooked me. It spooked me to the point where I got the rifle back out of the case and I loaded the rifle. But your
1: mindset was you, you thought that.
2: It was a person.
1: person was out there and
2: yes doing it for and whatever I just, reason. My my daughter I did that at the prompting on my daughter because my daughter was quite upset because she said, Why would somebody do this? Why would somebody do this? Because it wasn't just one or two, it was multiple. And it was almost from the beginning where we started cutting up the logs to get back in there. And it like I said, it took me a good half hour, 40 minutes for us to get back out of the way because, you know, back out of the woods because of, of how much debris they put back in the trail. And we had been in there for a long time. Like I said, it was probably 2 o'clock when we walked away from the truck to go sit down for the evening. And it doesn't get dark till almost 8 o'clock at that point, 7, 30, o'clock, somewhere around in there. And uh, so we had a good long sit. So people had time. People would have had time to place these logs back in the trail. No explanation as to who did it or why, but Phil says, my my wife told Phil Shaw about that story. I never even gave it a thought, and Phil said, well, you know what? That's another encounter right there because that's not uncommon to have happen. Right. People, people talk about that, and this is a totally different area. We're talking... We're talking 20 miles away from where I happened to see the one in February, so never we never saw anything, never saw tracks, never saw never heard any whoops, no whistles, no wood knocks, nothing but just but the logs point, placed back in the trailer. at that
1: point though you weren't looking for anything either were you?
2: you no you we, were, we were not looking I, my, my and uh, the truck was idling right you know behind me um of course when we were on the way in, I was running the chainsaw and everything. Um, and I was, I was genuinely somewhat spooked on the way out, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I don't hear very well. And with a truck running beside me, if there was noises in the woods beside me, I wouldn't be able to hear that. My daughter, we had the windows down and, you know, the windows down in the truck and we were communicating. I was guiding her forward. Come on, come on, you know, and then I would find another log or another, some of them were as big as your wrist and some of them were 15 inches in diameter. So it was, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just big logs that were rolled in the trail. It was entire small trees that had fallen over from the winter that were placed, you know, that had fallen across (laughs) that I moved that were placed back across. And at the time I was 100% thinking humans, somebody was just messing with us. Um, but maybe, uh, Maybe not. Who knows? That's not, I mean, to this day, I still don't know what that could have been. And to this day, my daughter will still tell you that that was a very, very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And I, I mean, I literally, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a level-headed guy. Um, I, I got the rifle out, out of the case and I loaded the rifle, put it around in the chamber, put the safety on and put the rifle over my shoulder. While I was moving logs, I had the rifle out the whole time because I thought that was awful strange. You know what I mean? It is. It is odd. It is, that was that was an odd one. No explanation whatsoever.
1: Well, Don, listen. I, I want to thank you. This has been a great hour conversation with you. Uh, some re- an hour went by fast. It, didn't it, it? does, doesn't it? Uh, but before I let you go. Uh, before we started recording, you said that you kind of wanted to reach out to the listeners, and uh,
2: oh, and yes, say
1: something to them. So
2: why don't you take the an opportunity and do that? I, I, if 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 anybody is hearing this, and and you have had any type of even if it's a, even if it's something you think is insignificant, like me describing the logs at the time, I completely forgot about that. My wife is the one that brought that up. Do not be, I guess the word is afraid, to share your story. And the reason I say that is because a lot of times somebody else has a situation, an encounter very similar to yours, maybe even very close to where you you had yours, and one sighting, one encounter can mesh like gears. Mm-hmm. And become multiple and they all they, they begin to make more sense. Um, if if you share yours, maybe somebody else has one that's even even if you don't use your name, you can give your location and somebody else may come forward with a story they had two weeks before yours or a week after yours in the same general location. Um, where I saw. I, I will call it. I saw Bigfoot on February twenty second, twenty twenty two, in Iosco County, Michigan, from the road. And according to Phil, there were three, possibly four more encounters within five miles of where I saw Bigfoot in the in the weeks previous, and in a couple of week in a several weeks after I saw it in the same general five six mile location, and that's not very far. Uh, for animals that are out there living like that, that's not very far for them to travel. And uh, I, I, when I heard about that, that actually, that is what made me tell my story, because my wife relayed my story to Phil, and Phil said, why don't you tell your story? Uh, I kind of him hawed He says, and Phil got his notes out, because Phil takes detailed notes, yeah. and I'll be doggone if he didn't have a few people contact him with four more encounters like i said within just a few miles of where i had my encounter and 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 again when we were we were talking phil said how many people along that same corridor had an encounter that they won't talk about so there there you go i i would i would highly encourage anybody just and believe it or not, it's kind of, it's almost kind of liberating. I kind of felt great that day at the Bigfoot days after I told the story. Well, what because I didn't, my, my sister, my oldest sister was sitting right with us and she had no idea. Oh, really? She had no idea. Cause I didn't, we hadn't told the story. Yeah. So when she heard it, that was the first time she heard it too. Cause I didn't tell the story. You know what I mean?
1: You know, and and I'll piggyback on what you just surmised there. Um, one thing being, you know, going to these Bigfoot conferences, whether it's a small one, whether it's a large one, whether it's in Michigan or Ohio or down in Kentucky or in Alabama, wherever you're at, um, you, what you're going to find is that you are surrounded by like-minded people. You're surrounded by people, you know, people don't go to these things and and pay $30, $40 a person to get into these things and, and even more to listen to the speakers. They don't pay that money to go there and make fun of things. Those kind of places, you typically you're going to run into people who are like-minded. They're interested in the subject. They've had an encounter themselves. Um, they're just interested. Uh, they want to learn more. And, and what safer place to be able to express what you feel that you've had happen then yeah. in front of those type yep. of people. And the other thing yep. that it does is, you know, for people who, um, and I'm going to use the word closed minded. And I don't mean that in an offensive way, but if you're closed minded to the subject of this or closed minded to anything in the paranormal that, you know, I'm that I cover on this show, if you're going out into the woods on a regular basis, And you're not paying attention to your surroundings and you just think that because you are a camper and you've camped for several years or you feel that you've been hunting since you were 10 years old or 12 years old with your dad and and you can make a blanket statement that is, I've spent my entire life out in the woods. Well, no, you haven't. You've spent every year for a couple of weeks going out hunting property, but you haven't spent your whole life out in the woods. That's that's not a that's not an accurate statement. Right. Right. But not to take away You're, from that, you know, if you've been hunting your whole life that you have spent a lot of time out in the woods. You haven't spent your whole life, but you've spent a lot of time.
0: But if right. you stay
1: closed-minded and you don't accept the possibility or at least put some effort into understanding what people who are having these experiences are saying, you could potentially put yourself in a position where you are not recognizing some signs that might tell you maybe you shouldn't be here. Maybe you shouldn't be in this area because there might be an 8 to 9 foot, possibly 10 foot, very large wild creature in this area.
2: Yes, or or a group of exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> So, so I, I, I give my wife credit for, uh, I guess, prompting me to tell my story. And it turns out I'm extremely glad I did. I wasn't going to, and she blur literally blurted it out to Phil and Phil Shaw. And Phil Shaw says, "You got to tell your story. You just got to tell this story." And so that's why I did. And so I, I mean, uh, when I tell people. Please come forward with their story. I know how difficult it might be, but just, just do it. Just do it.
1: You know, and to piggyback on that, if you're listening to this and you have a story but you've, you've, you've kept quiet about it, I can. We don't have to use your name. We can come up with a fake name. You don't have to tell me exactly what town it is. You, you know, you're, I don't do a video uh, podcast, so your face isn't going to be shown. If you want to get this off your chest, if you've had an experience and you want to talk about it, please contact me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Let me know about your story. We'll get you on. We'll keep your anonymity and uh, nobody's any, any of the wiser, but people will be wiser having heard your story on top of the many that
2: we've already told. So uh, that's awesome. Yes. Don,
1: thank you so much for being with me tonight. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I enjoyed meeting you up there in uh, West Branch. and uh, thanks for coming on and telling your story again.
2: I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I really do.
1: Don, if you have if you have any more in, uh, interesting sightings or or anything like that, please make sure you get a hold of me and and let us know.
2: i I will do that. I will do that. And uh, like I said, thanks uh, thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to come on and and just talk about this.
1: No problem. That's what we're here for. All righty. All right, Don. Well, everybody, thanks for being with us tonight. And as always, stay uncomfortable. We'll see you next
2: week. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, Don. Bye.
1: I want to hear your story. I want to hear your experience. So email me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. Share the show with your friends. Share the show on social media. Make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter all at Uncomfortable Podcast and until next week my friends stay uncomfortable